Welcome to Fratello on Air, a podcast brought to you by members from Fratello Watches. I'm Mike Stockton, coming to you from Frankfurt am Main, Germany. And I'm Robert Jan Boer, and I'm coming from The Hague in the Netherlands. Welcome to episode five. Yeah, we've been away for a while. It's going to be almost a month by the time this uh, publishes, but Robert John, you had your uh, share of maladies, and you've been traveling, and I've been traveling like crazy as well. But we're we're finally back. We are back. I think um, after the previous podcast I did with you, I think it was number three. I went on a holiday for two two and a half weeks, and then um, yeah, I had some uh, some issues with uh, with my ears, so I couldn't really uh, travel a lot. But that uh, that solved. So now I'm uh, back on track. How did that work at home? Were you able to hear everything at home or did you... Uh... No, well, my wife said uh, there's no difference between normal hearing and your hearing now. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but I felt uh, that there was. And um, no, I had a mid-ear infection and it was not v- very painful or something, but uh, my ear was blocked and um, my doctor uh, forbid me to fly, ah. which was a bit nasty because I had some uh, trips planned for uh, watch events. So now I had to to cancel those, and uh, but since last uh, week it's uh, okay again. Went to the doctor, he said you can fly, and I did, and it was uh, super painful. <laughs> <laughs> more painful but, uh, than usual, right? <laughs> more painful, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, on the way back, it was already better. So I think it's 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 going better now. And this week I have to fly, and uh, next week as well. So it's uh, yeah, it's a bit busy with trips, but uh, yeah, it's part of the game. Yep. Yep. Well, it's good to hear. So, so before we get started, I just have to. Uh, we we got a an anonymous uh, question in. Um, one of our readers has requested that you simply say the word the words somewhat quickly. Smoke and a pancake. Smoke and a pancake. <laughs> there you go. So I'll 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 just leave it at that, and you can do your research later as to why uh, that question might have been asked. So very good. Um, I can always cut it out. Yeah, no, you're not allowed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so um, good, good. So we've got a we've got a pretty good agenda here today. So we're going to start with uh, just what's on our wrist today. Then we're going to go into a topic on Longines or Longines or Longines as uh, <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> it's, uh, for, for I was there last week and uh, <laughs> I was uh, looking at. They showed some some old videos on um, on Longines, some old um, uh, commercials or ad- advertisements that they okay. um, used to show in uh, theaters before a, a movie would start. And one of the videos they pronounced it. Long jean. Oh wow! Okay. Long jean. Wow. That's funny. So I think it was like thirties or forties oh, when wow. they did that. Yeah, I, I had this uh, Spanish uh, colleague who received a long jean from uh, his uh, father, and he pronounced it longines. So, long-ginous. which which really sounded a little bit. Um, Concerning if you were 10 meters away, <laughs> you were wondering what he was talking about. So, exactly. Anyhow, so. No, I think it's uh, Longines. And um, in the past, apparently it was Longines. All right. But uh, yeah, it was nice. We had um, uh, to start with that, and then we do the wrist check. Um, we had a partnership with Longines <laughs> about the finding the oldest watch in the Netherlands. And I think they started uh, with this project in in russia some some years ago and then i think in japan and last year i think it was in the u.s and they had germany this year as well and this year was germany as well and i think they had one in poland before and now it was this year it was at least germany and the netherlands so they asked us to be their media partner for the netherlands and uh, so we were happy uh, and and honored to, to do so and so we had to find a reader with with the oldest Longines watch, which automatically would mean it, it's a pocket watch. And uh, we got in a lot of um, uh, submissions, some some entries, so to speak. And um, 
um, it ranged from really old pocket watches to watches from the 90s from people who thought this is probably a really old watch. <laughs> but I could tell that these were not really watch people and they found like a flyer at one of the Longines boutiques in the Netherlands and or outlets, I have to say, and um, and our website was on there. So they, they submitted it to us and it was like a 90s uh, uh, wristwatch. But there were also some really old pocket watches and um, the, the, the one we found is from 1874. Oh, wow. And um, people really had to take the watch apart, make pictures of the, 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 the movement, the, the, the case back and, and the, the, the inside of the case back, but also on uh, a picture of the movement on the dial side. So the watch really had to be disassembled for this. Oh, wow. Okay. And um, so the oldest one is uh, from 1874, and it was uh, they could f- trace it back in the old books in the archive at Longines, and it was in book number four. And I don't know if you ever saw a picture of their archive. They have many, many old books. Yeah. So book number four is really one, one of the first. way back there. <laughs> yeah. And um, it's, it was really a beautiful pocket watch. And the owner, uh, they, they won a trip to, um, uh, to Longines. And I had to uh, uh, accompany them. And we had a trip to, uh, to uh, the, the manufacture and we had a visit to the uh, museum, which is really beautiful. Okay. And at Longines, and I never been there before. I, I have been before to Longines and also to the museum, but I'd never been before to their um, heritage workshop, as they call it. And this is where they restore watches and they get between 3,000 and 4,000 requests per year to restore a vintage watch. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, crazy. And uh, there were, I think there are like, I don't know, eight people, perhaps 10, but I think it's more like eight people that, that worked there on this, in, in this heritage workshop and um, ranging from pocket watches to, uh, to wrist watches. So I guess they've got quite a lead time then. Um, yeah, I think it takes quite a bit because also they, they will do a, like a judgment on the watch first. Okay. And then they will do a proposal to the customer. And the customer has to say uh, yes or no. And then they will start. And depending on what's needed, they can do some work. But they also showed us um, the stock of uh, new old stock spare parts that they have. Yeah, those dials were incredible. They, uh, Unbelievable they- what they have. Uh, dials, crowns, movement parts, uh, hands, uh, everything. It's unbelievable. That was really, really impressive, I have to say. And it's 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 interesting because it's so far away from what they do uh, these days with Longines. Yeah, they, yeah. I think they they produce like a, a one and a half million watches a year. Uh, a lot of them go to the to Asia, mm-hmm. and uh, these are all modern watches. And if you uh, are visiting the the manufacture at Longines in Saint Amier, it's a lot of assembly and uh, packaging and and uh, shipping and handling and so on. Um, because yeah, they they get their parts from the Swatch Group supplier basically. So they get their cases, they get movements. There's a part of ETA is inside the Longines building where they uh, just make the exclusive movements that they do for Longines. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's it's a lot of um, assembly, like I think T2 as they call it, where they uh, put the watch together. But the, the, the yeah, the parts are being delivered. So. You won't see a lot of watchmakers using screwdrivers and so on. Yeah, um, yeah. And this is also already not the case at a, a brand like Omega, which is like one one up in the Swatch Group uh, uh, system. Um, but yeah, so I think for me as a really like a watch enthusiast, it's interesting to see. But real watchmaking is something you 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 yeah you won't see there, except on the or in the heritage workshop, which was really interesting. Hmm. Was uh, so, yeah, I mean, the, the reputation of Longine historically is incredible. And yes, to your point, I mean, obviously when things consolidated, I think uh swatch group obviously felt the need to, to tier the brands and yeah, for sure. They're, they're a volume leader um and they they make some really nice stuff but there's clearly a difference today versus yeah what some of those uh those models you saw in the heritage area i mean some of those chronograph dials were from some very legendary models with some equally legendary movements yeah that was really stunning and i think in the past they 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 could compete to uh well to the omegas and perhaps lampins of this world Mm -hmm. um i think today they are like you say they're uh like stacked 
within Swatch Group, uh, you have uh, Hamilton, Certina, and then uh, you get Longines, Omega, Blancpain, Breguet, and so on. So now it's it's more, um, yeah, it's divided a bit. And uh, on the one hand, that's a pity. On the other hand, that's, uh, yeah, that's what the situation is uh, today. And I also had this discussion with uh, the CEO. I had an interview with uh, Walter von Kehner, who is the CEO for 50 years. He's wow. uh, 78 years old. <laughs> And he has been uh, working there for 50 years and a CEO since, I think, 84 when Swatch Group came in. Um, it was not called Swatch Group back then. I think it was SMH or something. Mm-hmm. And um, then he became CEO and uh, they also stopped uh, producing in-house movements uh, back then. And that's not their strategy. The strategy was to use ETA movements. So that's what they do. Uh, but they made some pretty decent movements in the past. I think perfect example is their chronograph. The 13 uh, ZN is, uh, or ZN is, is, is a beautiful piece. And the 30 And beautiful CH. chronograph. Yeah. And um, yeah, they, they, they made stunning movements. They also re- made really, really thin movements, even in 77. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they produced the L990, which was a super thin uh, time only, well, I think it has a date as well, movement of uh, not even three millimeters thick. And yeah, it's beautiful. Um, so I believe that, uh, well, perhaps these days, the, these these vintage long jeans, they get the credit they deserve. I think the prices of the, the chronograph uh, we just mentioned went uh, up quite a bit. Yeah, they're expensive. They're quite rare. Yeah, um, but there are still some some uh, trashes out there that are perhaps not as not as not as much in demand, like a thin dress watch. Yeah, or um, the smaller forties pieces, like thirty three yeah, millimeter. They are yeah. very cool and they're worth uh, worth investigating. Yeah, and personally, I like those those um, conquests from the fifties uh, or sixties oh, with, yeah. the, with really the nice enamel um, medallion uh, on the back. Case back, yeah, yeah, those are really cool. And um, so no, it was a fun trip, and the winners uh, of the of the the contest were very happy. And we'll do a article uh, soon on that on uh, on Fratello with some some pictures that uh, we took, and uh, they were happy. They saw the, the well the heritage workshop and and saw where their watch have been produced, and we got a tour through the museum. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So oh, that's um, cool. Yeah, that was my first trip after my uh, my holiday, and it was a nice one. Yeah. I, I've got a, I think it's like 1910s or 20s uh, porcelain dialed trench watch from Longines. And I bought mm-hmm. it. I mean, this is one of the, gosh, I bought this watch, I bet, 20 years ago on eBay. It came out of England. And um, I need to pop the back off of it. Oh, well, I need it serviced, first of all. And um, I need to get the uh, the movement number because... Unlike Omega, actually, I'm told that if you email Longine, they get back to you within like a day or two with whatever information they have on the watch. It's really, they're they're supposed to be fantastic in terms of communication. Yeah. So I I asked about that and they showed it to me. They have two two different things at Longine. Longine. It's uh, the extract of the archives, like we know from uh, Omega. Um, It shows... The serial number of the watch, the reference uh, of the of the watch or the or the case, and when it was produced, and um, if if known when it was shipped and to which country, mm-hmm. but it doesn't say anything about the condition of the watch. It says something about the watch as it was, I don't know, fifty years ago or when it was produced, yeah. um, but it doesn't say anything about the, the current condition of today and whether everything is still is still original. And um, I think that's where you see where also the extract of the Argyle from Omega is being abused a lot. Um, sure. It is used by uh, offers on, on, uh, uh, from dealers, uh, both uh, online and offline, as uh, some kind of uh, provenance. But it's not. It's just an extract of <laughs> what the watch was when, <laughs> when it was produced and, and, and shipped and left, uh, left the company. And that's also what the extract at Longines is. The, the good thing with the extract from Longines is that it's free. Uh, you get a digital version. You can get a print version. It's free of charge. Whereas at Omega, they, I think they charge like one twenty mm-hmm. Swiss francs. And um, um, in the past, it was signed by uh, the CEO uh, uh, now uh, Reinald uh, Ashleyman and before uh, Ukohart. Mm-hmm. And since the summer, they changed it. So now it looks a bit different. But I also think it's not signed anymore. But um, not entirely sure, but what Longines also offers is an, an a certificate of authentication. Okay, and uh, there you need to uh, send the watch to Longines, 
they will open it and they will go part by part or the main parts at least to see if everything is still original and that they will write in a in a in a oh yeah on a certificate basically yeah we've we've and got that's a... not for free they charge but i i it was quite cheap um i didn't i didn't uh, really uh uh, remember the number, but I, I was amazed that it was so cheap um, because the, the, uh, Audemars Piquet is offering the same service and there you are, uh, I don't know, 700 euros or so, 1,000 francs, something like that. But here at, at Longines, it was just a fraction of, of that where they can uh, can do this. Yeah. Yeah, we've got a we've got a contact. I mean, I'll leave him nameless here in one of the groups we're in, but he's a well, kind of one of the most renowned Longines collectors, you know, mostly the you know, the military pieces, the big, uh, Veeam's, uh, pieces. And he started collecting 20, 30 years ago when they were a heck of a lot differently priced than now. And, you know, that's the one thing he talks about with, uh, Longine versus something like Rolex, for example, is how good the documentation can be and really how secure you can feel that the watch you're holding really is original and really is what you say it is. I mean, yeah. of course somebody could swap something after they get a, a certificate, but it, it, it's a really nice service that they offer. And I, yeah. I uh, I'm, I'm going to have to take them up on it. I, I really am curious about this just for, for no other reason than I'm curious. So yeah, very good. Yeah. So. Okay. So yeah, that was my trip to uh, Longines and uh, the oldest watch uh, of the Netherlands campaign. And um, they will, they will do more of these uh, campaigns, uh, uh, yeah, all over the world, basically. So it's like a, a, a yeah, an ongoing project uh, to to show that they are still that they still care about their heritage and that they know about their heritage and that's important uh, that uh, it's important to them. I think it's great. And 1874 in American terms is really old. <laughs> yeah, I think that uh, last year with the the watch from the US, it's it was even older. Oh, um, wow. Okay. Yeah, it was a few years older. So, uh, but yeah, but the, the watch that that came uh, came uh, above the surface uh, last year from someone from the US, I think, was actually sourced in France. Um, but it, yeah, it was it was a it's a fun thing. And the, the, uh, well, one last thing is the fun thing is that uh, when we said yes to this project, I said, "Oh, that's not uh, too difficult, and we will get some uh, some uh, submissions." And uh, and we did. But I made the well. I made a mistake, but um, I didn't realize that uh, a lot of these pocket watch collectors are, uh, well, not to be disrespectful, but they are quite old in the, mean, in the ah, meantime. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and though that, that target audience is not per definition the audience that reads uh, watch magazines online like uh, ours. Good point. Yeah, and I didn't realize that. And... Um, of course, we had some, and the, the winners were actually quite young. But we had a lot of people that uh, I, I felt were a bit older, and um, yeah, we had to use some some targeting on on social media. And um, yeah, I targeted Dutch people plus sixty five years, and <laughs> with with certain interests, <laughs> and then we got more traction. Um, uh, so yeah, yeah, it's something I should have realized before. But yeah, pocket watch is a, a different breed. I think it's um, I have a box full of them from my family. Yep. And I never look at them and I, yeah, it's nice, but yeah, you also don't wear them or don't use them. Yeah, that that's my problem with them. I mean, if you go, um, funny enough, when I lived in Pennsylvania, the, well, I did an article on it, the NAWCC headquarters is near Lancaster, Pennsylvania, where Hamilton was uh, originally headquartered. And they have a room of unbelievable pocket watches, primarily from the US, but also European and they kind of show a map in there of all the different um, manufacturers that were around a hundred odd years ago. And I think um, pocket watches really were a big collectible 20, 30 years ago. And of course, <clears throat> yeah. most of the people who collect those are 20, 30 years older now. So they were probably 30, 40 years old. So uh, yeah, they're probably sixties and seventies and, they they are neat. I just I, I'm with you. I find them incredibly impractical. But I've seen some. You know, there's some pretty cool companies out there that make uh, you know wood mounts for them that you can turn them into kind of like a desk clock. And 
yeah, that, that's something that I would I would consider doing, but I don't know enough about them to to know which one I would want. So no, uh, um, one of my uh, watchmakers he collects uh, pocket watches. He also collects normal watches, but also pocket watches. Mm-hmm. And he, he, sometimes he shows me really nice ones with the yellow, which is the like the the black powder coating. Oh yeah, with some some decoration, super nice. It's a very I think. Toxic or something is very bad for your health. You yeah, should not lick probably. it or something. But uh, <laughs> it's very bad. And uh, but it looks beautiful. And um, one of the owners, the current owners of, of Chrono Twenty Four, he collects pocket watch, pocket watches as well. And um, um, yeah, he told me that uh, the prices on pocket watches from from big names are much more attractive than than wrist watches. Oh, while absolutely. these pocket watches come with the most uh, beautiful complications. Mm. And um, it's just a fraction of the price. On the other hand, it's not really something you carry around, I guess. Um, no, and I don't think they're very, you know, that was before any kind of uh, shock proofing either. So they're they're relatively delicate also. So Yeah, yeah. But exactly. hey, I, I'm, probably more, yeah, yeah. I'm probably more worried that if I bought one, I'd probably want to buy a second and a third. So. <laughs> and then you have an extra hobby or collection. It, exactly. So yeah. <laughs> Well, good. Shall we talk about uh, something not in our pocket but on our wrist? So Yes. So what are you wearing today on your wrist? I am wearing a watch that I shot you a picture of the other day because it just came in. And this is the Seiko SBDC079 Ginza edition. And That's beautiful. Yeah, thanks. Um, this is the – so I guess it was a few years back that Seiko did the – 1968 diver recreation, the high beat, uh, 6159 diver. And they did a modern reinterpretation, which kind of has a similar case, but has these newer hands that Seiko seems to be using now with the, uh, arrow hour hand and kind of a dagger for a minute's hand that are pretty controversial. And that watch, when we saw it at Basel, I liked it. Um, I think they had a black version and they had a black version with a blue bezel, um, one on bracelet and one on rubber. They've since extended to many, many more models, um, as Seiko does. Um, and then, and, and, and I, I liked it when I saw it, but with everything going on at Basel, you know, sometimes you overlook something and, um, I visited the boutique here in Frankfurt probably about a year ago. And uh, Eric, the the gentleman who runs the boutique, was uh, telling me how well the model sells. And he ordered one for himself. So I tried one on and I thought, wow, you know, this thing really does fit well. It's really slim. Uh, But I just said, look, I need another, you know, beach watch or vacation watch. Like I need a hole in the head. But uh, then one of our friends, Eric, who lives in Japan, and then another friend, Patrick, who lives in Belgium, uh, who was over there uh, and and happened to run into Eric. The two of them went to the the Waco store, which both you and I I have been to in Ginza, which is like the Seiko Mm -hmm. flagship store. And sure enough, they had two or three different watches that were coded as a Ginza edition, and they made 300 of these. So he picked one up. And then I said, Oh, I would like one of those while you're there. And yeah, Eric trundled off and, and grabbed me one. So it, it it's really nice. And unlike um, a lot of the bracelets that Seiko makes, this one is actually pretty nice. It's, it's kind of like an oyster style, but slightly different center links. And the thing I also really like about it is the uh, kind of the underlying deployant is not stamped. Finally, it's actually like a really nice metal. And yeah, so that, so that was kind of a surprise. And then, you know, this one is, um, you know, these all have Sapphire crystals, which is a cool update and yeah, they, they, these models, I think, you know, on the bracelet are something like 1100 or a thousand euros. And I mean, I've seen them on rubber for as low as 760 euros over here in, in different colors, mind you, but, um, I would tell anyone if they're looking to get into Seiko or if they are just looking for a great daily watch, I personally like this better than the MM300 because it is not as tall. I just find it really wearable so far. So yeah. really happy with it. I, I, I like it. I think it's really cool. So we'll, we'll put a pic- picture in and 
you know, bottom line is just take a look at the um, 1968 modern reinterpretation, or sometimes they call it 200 meter diver. Uh, it's in the prospects line, and I, I don't think you can go wrong. It's really, really nice watch. Cool, nice. So how about you? Well, very uh, uh, coincidental. Uh, I'm also wearing a. I'm wearing two watches today. Oh man! And normally, I Pulling don't do a, that. I, you're like I don't Maradona. do double wristing. Your Maradona, yeah, <laughs> but uh, it was. Uh, I was taking some pictures, and uh, I just uh, put a second watch on my wrist, and um, I didn't take it off actually. Um, so on the left wrist, uh, it's not a long jean, but it's a Seiko. Mm-hmm. It's uh, one of the new Arnies. Oh, cool! And um, it's the SNJ028. So it's the one with the rose gold um, um, details. Nice, and. Um, um, I was visiting a Seiko office uh, last week or the week before with uh, Gerard, or as we internally call him, G2. Mm. And um, they showed us some some stuff on the embargo for later on this month and uh, next month and the month after. And um, we asked them if the new Arnies w- were already in, and they were. Mm. So they showed us the white one, which is the SNJ025, I think. And they showed us this um, this one with the rose gold. So and you we say both got white. You mean steel bezel, yeah? Yeah, steel bezel. Uh, sorry, white uh, white printing, white uh, numerals. Um, the the uh, the O two eight has um, like also rose gold um, rings around the numerals. Okay, okay. And um, yeah, we saw both, and we said, well, if you have them in stock. We would like to buy two, so we bought two. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm wearing it, and it's uh, it's quite a big watch, but um, I really like it. And I really have to rewatch the Predator. It's 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 a long, long time ago, and I don't even think I was into watches uh, back at uh, back back at that time. So um, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a nice and interesting piece. The funny thing is that uh, once I got home, I wanted to show a friend uh, the the watch I uh, I just bought and uh, took with me and um we couldn't find it on the Seiko uh, website at least not on the Dutch website and then I found out and of course I could have uh, known and, and and perhaps google it properly but the one I'm wearing the with the gold uh, rose gold uh, elements it's uh, an online version only so you can only order it online and at some some uh, number of of um, retailers that also offer uh, Seiko watches online. So oh, it's okay. not for sale uh, physical stores. But boy, you see them posted everywhere. This has got to be the hottest thing going right now. So everybody yeah, is I, really... I was not really paying attention. And I know that you and, and Gerard were really uh, hyped on them when we saw them in Basel and that you like them a lot. And I was just uh, standing a bit from the sideline. And and um, But I really like it. It's a nice recreation, I think, from the 82 uh, model. Yeah. And um, I say it's quite a nice watch. It's big, but it's still comfortable. And um, I haven't... I, I, I did not wear it for a few days, and when I uh, when I took it out of a of a box, it immediately uh, uh, um, yeah resets to the to the current time. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, again, so you see the hands moving, and it's uh, yeah, it's super nice. How's the how's the shroud on it, and is it is it a heavy watch? Mm, well, I'm I, I had the, uh, the 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 older one, the grandfather tuna, which is bigger and heavier. Mm-hmm. Um, no, this is quite okay. It's not a li- super light watch, but it's uh, it's on a rubber or silicone uh, strap, and um, but it it feels really solid. So it doesn't feel cheap or plasticky or whatever. It's really a solid uh, thing, um, which which is a good uh, a good thing, I guess. And um, I think the retail is uh, like almost five hundred euros on this one. I think the uh, the normal one's a bit cheaper, like four seventy. Yeah. Um, and I can I, I can see where this cost comes from. Of course, it's a quartz watch, it's a digital watch, but it really feels like a hefty. Yeah, you're wearing a tank. Yeah, yeah. yeah and it's got the tsunami yeah, on the back, so it's part of the Prospects yeah. collection. Yeah, so. yeah, it is, and it has the Prospects logo on the on the on the dial, and it says Solar. That was not really necessary in my uh, my opinion, but um, yeah, it has the Prospects logo and. Um, no signed uh, crowns or pushers, and uh, yeah, I still have the blue plastic on the back. I should remove it. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a cool piece. It is from uh, June. No, uh, yeah, June. Uh, 
from this year. So it's quite new, what I see on the serial number. Then on the right wrist, I am wearing something completely different, okay. which is the Hamilton Cakey Pilot Pioneer Mechanical. So, so it's the, the round reinterpretation one, yeah? of the... Well, no, the, 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 the no-shaped thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, the yeah. Ham- based on the W10. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, they, they, uh, I got one shipped, and um, it's super fun. It's just a super funny watch. It's um, it's it's only like thirty three millimeters wide, but because of the case shape, it it wears a bit bigger. So I think if you measure from ten o'clock to four o'clock, it's around thirty six, and from luck to luck, it's about forty two. Um, so I, on the wrist, it's it's quite nice. Um, it looks nice. It looks very military. Uh, the hand round movement is kind of cool, I think. It's an ETA-based uh, uh, movement. Uh, large power reserve, like 80 hours. Nice. And, um, yeah, I, I have it on a textile NATO. I think it's 745 euros or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, I saw some complaints that, uh, yeah, it's very expensive for, uh, for uh, a Hamilton because you can, I think you can get some Hamilton mechanicals, same kind of style, military style, starting at 400-something or 500-something. But yeah. Yeah, I th- I also feel sometimes that people expect too much from a certain price, <laughs> and um, um, perhaps I'm uh, insulting or stirring things up. But um, I mean, what can you do for this kind of money? It's a Swiss-made watch. Um, yeah, and I also think a brand should should uh, honestly, I don't want to say exploit because that sounds like the wrong word, but yeah, if they can charge a little more than. Why wouldn't you? You know they're out to make money. It's not a charity, charitable yeah, and they business. Did a very, right? And they did a very good job. Yeah. The watch looks nice. It feels very solid. Um, it's just very well done. And then I feel the price is justified. Um, looking at the Swiss uh, average uh, income, I mean, what can you do? For? <laughs> and um, it's the same. Well, it's a bit of the same uh, discussion with the Seiko uh, Sports Five collection. I saw that in the flash, and I, I have some here for. Um, I think some are dummies and other ones are working for uh, some 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 pictures that we are uh, taking in the in the studio, and um, I think they, they they are around three hundred euros. Uh-huh. And a lot of people say, yeah, but it's not an SKX 007 and it's not as water resistant. But how many people are really diving with a SKX 007? And uh, the watch is really well done, to be honest, at the Sports 5. And also, Seiko wants to move up. I get them. They want to move up. And if you want a professional diving watch or a diver's watch that has a water resistance of 200 meters, they want you to buy the prospects. I get it. And I think the people who are complaining, and I also understand the complaining because the price difference is indeed a bit strange, but you get a, yeah, you get a, a newer movement. Uh, the design is different. Um, and if you want something professional, you pay a more professional price, perhaps. And um, I think the people who are complaining is a very, very small number. And I think that number is irrelevant for a brand like Seiko. Well, they look at the large numbers. Look, uh, I mean, the, the, the masses for for sure. Since the SKX sells on a place like Amazon, it's obviously not. <laughs> it's not targeted towards the. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it's not really targeted towards the. One percent who who read sites like ours, right? It, it, it was a yeah. common product, and I I get you. I I think what you know, people tell me, ah, no, you know, the Seiko fives are they have a place, and they wanted to get rid of the SKX because yeah, they've got the turtle, they've got the whatever people call the baby turtle, but mm-hmm. you know, Seiko's got so much overlap on their product. I mean, especially at the like the watch we just talked about it in the thousand dollar range, there's like the sumo, there's the 62 Moss reinvention. So I, I kind of would have liked to have seen an, an SKX as part of the prospect series, but at that 350, 400 range with a new movement, not going to happen. Yeah, I know, I know it won't, yeah. but I, I mean, I just think the case, um, and we'll talk about it later, but that case has been around since 1978 with a screw down crown. And I just think that, I think there's enough room in there to pit it at a higher level with a better movement um, and maybe, you know, a slightly done dial and, and even still have room for the watches, you know, you're, you're holding right there, but mm-hmm. 
seems well you never you never know with seiko right <laughs> you never know what they're going to do no it's a bit right like rolex you don't know what they're going to do and well with seiko you see some stuff leaking uh, like a month in advance um but uh, yeah I, yeah that's true and but i have to say it's the seiko 5 uh, sports it's nice um i i got one myself it's on order uh, i think it it came in because gerard already has his because he saw the people from seiko today again at some local uh, uh, trade show that he went to and uh, it ro- looks really cool it wears nice uh, the one that uh, that I picked and he picked has a like a mesh bracelet that feels good mm-hmm. and I think the price is like 340 or 350 euros I don't know exactly and um, it really is a nice watch and actually he took one of the watches with him <laughs> that we got like one week or two weeks ago from from Seiko in the Netherlands, he took it with him on his trip to uh, to Italy. With a Panerai thing, yeah, right? <laughs> with a Panerai, yeah, yeah. He, um, um, as you know, and perhaps as the the, re- the listeners know, is that Panerai they offered the, for the first time this year they offered the watch, and if you buy the watch, you 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 can uh, uh, join the Italian Navy for like three days and flying choppers, jump off cliffs, uh, shoot uh, things. And uh, for a press trip, they inv- well they invited some journalists and um, uh, to join. And I think there were also some people there who actually bought those new watches and and, and got that trip. And uh, yeah, so and they and they they invited some journalists like uh, like well, us, like Gerard was there. I think Watch Anish was there, and uh, Alexander Friedman was there from Watchunista, mm-hmm. and some others. And um, it was quite hefty. Yeah, but- <laughs> Gerard also had to sign all sorts of stuff for his insurance and had a like a, a, a paper from his doctor that he was fine and healthy and so on. And <laughs> he got a bit nervous. <laughs> and he shot me some movies and some, some footage. And uh, he's working on the article. And I, I saw already some things in draft. And it looks quite uh, Yeah, it looked pretty intense. cool. Yeah. yeah. And uh, well, what, what I was saying is that uh, they also had to dive. I think even in open sea. So it was quite interesting. And I'm happy he went and I didn't. Yeah. And um, he took one of the, the Seiko Sports 5 watches with him and he put it on his wrist while doing a dive. Yeah. And um, of course, he only went like 10, 15 meters. But still, um, it's a fight and it still runs, runs perfectly. So yeah, you can swim with it in the hotel pool. Don't worry. And um, uh, But yeah, it's not an SKX 007. I get it. Yeah. And, um, uh, well, you should have bought one. If you don't have one by now, you have been sleeping. Yeah, that's true. Well, they're <laughs> yeah. still out there, right? So <laughs> they're still out there, and in the end, you will get them for two thousand euros on eBay. Yeah. No, I think they made so many that it should not be a, be an issue. Yeah. I, I I do think I will order one, maybe an orange one, and just uh, put it aside. The new one? Ah, the no, the I think one. the old uh, SKX. I think I'll buy one of the Japanese ones and uh, just stick it yeah. inside. I have one as well. Yeah, I have one as well. I bought two. I bought one for myself, and I bought one for my dad, and. He's wearing it a lot. If he's not wearing his, uh, he has his Omega Genève from '69, and he has uh, the Speedy Tuesday. Um, um, but this is the watch he wears most of the time: the Seiko SK X007, because it's well, it's solid, and he's not afraid to to wear it when yeah, working on the car or uh, in the garden or whatever. Yeah, it's quite a it's great all around active with those kind of things. Yeah, it's yeah. a good all rounder, and you don't have to be afraid for anything. Yeah. And he had it surfaced, and there was a new crystal, and uh, I think they just replaced the movement, yeah, just and the new strap, and it was I don't know, like an threw the movement away and put a new <laughs> it, one in. Yeah, yeah, and I think it was even uh, I don't know eighty euros or something. It didn't make any sense, but no, I think that works and it's nice and um, it's a good watch. Yeah. yeah. So those are the two uh, I am wearing. And in the meantime, uh, I put the Hamilton off. I, I can't really stand wearing two watches, to be honest. It was just... Uh, well, I, that's a good thing. Yeah. That's a good thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> so so we thought um, we'd cover a couple things today. We, we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, <clears throat> watch storage or safes. Uh, we got a question from yeah. a reader. And then we're going to talk a little bit about, as you titled it, cool quartz watches which uh yeah you've already mentioned they one. exist so yeah and they do exist, they exist. i mean i've got a, i'm wearing one got a few written no, down let, let, okay let's so, so let's kick off with the with a safe uh, thing we got a question in from someone a lady mm-hmm. and uh she asked about uh, storing watches safely at home and she said uh, she asked me uh, uh, do you think it's wise to get a safe in the house and um this might also differ per 
country or region where you live. Sure. But here in the Netherlands, for example, and I think the same would go for, for Germany and Belgium and perhaps the UK. I don't know. They are a bit awkward these days. Um, uh, a lot of bank banks, they offered safes in the past, like these safe deposit boxes. Uh, I had one and it was like 50 or 60 euros a year. And um, But a lot of banks, they, they decrease the number of branches. So they want you to do everything online, basically. And uh, they, the only thing they offer still in the streets is an ATM machine. And uh, if you want to go talk to them to for financial advice or a mortgage or whatever, you have to come to their office. So all these these branches where you could get, uh, I don't know, where you could deposit cash or, uh, I don't know, talk about loans or uh, get a coffee, I don't know. They also had safes, but they stopped doing that because they decreased the branches. And then in the Netherlands, you have uh, a few companies, but uh, I'm with one. Um, it's called the Nederlandse Kluis, which means uh, the Dutch safe, <laughs> basically. And they bought a lot of these these buildings from these bank branches, especially from Rabobank, uh, I, I think. Um, and they refurbished the safe rooms and they put some more safes in there and they, they, they modernized it. And there you can get a safe. It's much more expensive. It's not the 50 euros. It's like three to 400 euros a year. And for a few bucks more, you can you can insure it to like uh, almost 100K per safe. And um, always read contracts. Let me say that. Always read what's in there, what happens if they go bankrupt, who's owner of the content of the safe and so on. Make sure to, to read and understand what you're signing. Um, but they offer this service. And um, because f- for me, for example, I don't want to have anything in the house, not when I'm away, but also not when I'm there, because if I have a safe at home, they come in your house or they, uh, they, they, you will give to them whatever they want anyway. Um, but I feel more safe with nothing in the house, basically, except for the watch I'm wearing, perhaps uh, uh, two. But yeah, just keep your really um, expensive watches that you don't wear uh, out of the house on a safe place, I would say. Getting a safe in your house, you have a lot of safes. Just make sure you have a good place for a safe where you can anchor it properly. Um, and take, uh, yeah, uh, just think about what you want to put in the safe and if it makes sense to put in the safe. And what are you going to do if, if they, they come into your house and uh, they want you to open it up? Um, for me, for example, I want to have those people out of my house as quickly as possible. So if they force me to open a safe that that's in the next room or below in a, in a cellar or in the attic, um, I don't want that. I don't want to walk with these kind of people through my house and that it takes like half an hour or so. I don't, I want them out. Um, so I don't, I, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't recommend to, to, to stuff all your stuff in a, <laughs> in a safe at home, but perhaps it works differently in different places. And perhaps you can elaborate a bit on that uh, yourself, Mike, because you're from the U S perhaps it works different there. Yeah, I think, well, clearly the U S is a, is a unique place as we all know um, with uh, ownership of, of, <laughs> of handguns and everything like that. And, and actually that that's really not the point, but because of that, I think safe ownership in the U S is, is much more prevalent because people do store, or should store their handguns in a safe um, more to uh, keep them away from other people. So, so safes are pretty popular there. I think it, um, the, but the other interesting thing is that safe deposit box, as we call them, or in Germany, the word is Schließfach. Also. Uh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> so uh, in the U S they're quite popular. So most banks have them, um, you know, Sometimes getting the larger ones in the U.S. can be more difficult. They'll have a waiting list, but the smaller ones are usually uh, pretty easy. And yeah, I think the big ones in some some towns are two fifty to three hundred a year. The other ones are could be less than a hundred. Um, and that that's what I always used in the U.S. Um, it's interesting in the U.S. because you have different rules. So so with the banks, I'm I'm not exactly sure how they're insured. Um, I think mm-hmm. if they have flooding damage or something, then they're probably not covered. Um, but uh, certain states, uh, you have to love this about the U.S. Well, all states have different rules about everything. But mm-hmm. some states like Florida, for example, um, you know, people will put all kinds of things in their safe deposit boxes, notably cash, uh, because 
when you pass away in Florida, the IRS is not allowed to come in and uh, appraise what is in the safe deposit box. But in some states, they actually seal it upon death and someone comes in there with the next of kin and actually takes stock of what's in there to potentially tax it as part of the estate. So safe deposit boxes are quite popular in, in states like Florida where where you've got that kind of um, that kind of rule. In Germany, um, they're popular as well, but very difficult to get. I think that you know historically in a country like Germany and and probably in a lot of European countries, but you would you would know more about this, Robert John. Um, you know, people buy gold and they store it in these things. Um, but you know, my wife actually works for a bank, and via that, she was able to get a a box for free. But I think if we had been a public uh, person trying to get one, it would have been nearly impossible or something like a two or three year wait. So it it's difficult. I mean, I don't keep much in the house. I'll keep um, kind of like, you know, pile of Seikos or something like that and a Rolex and, and just swap them out. But um, yeah, uh, the, the safe deposit box is quite popular here. And, I, and I'm with RJ. I mean, I think... Um, having a safe at home is, is good for things like paperwork and stuff like that. But, you know, then if you're buying one, I mean, my advice would be really to go online and take a look. I mean, certainly in the U S you've got a lot of big gun safe, uh, companies and these things aren't that expensive for, you know, a massive safe, but you want to take a look at things like fire rating and how long they'll last under certain heat, because, that's a that's a big deal, um, and it also very much um, influences the price. Um, and then you know you have everything from digital locks to your typical combination locks. I think most people favor a combination lock just because yeah, it's mechanical and you're not dealing with batteries. Uh, but there um, but there's a, a really wide variety. I think in the U.S. I, I've never looked here in Germany. I mean, you can buy small little ones that yeah, like I said, for paperwork or whatever that are easy. Yeah, so. Yeah, I have to say that um, I think a few weeks ago, perhaps already a few months ago, there was an article in the New York Times. Mm. Um, I will put up the link in the in the in the, in the show notes that uh, these deposit boxes uh, were supposedly not safe. There was one collector, a watch collector, I think, even who had uh, well a lot of valuable watches stored in one of these boxes and. Uh, one one day he visited his uh, the, the the safe deposit um, box and it was empty um, because they they mixed things up and um, um, yeah so they emptied it and thought it was someone else's. But that's and he yeah. he was not really protected I think by law. But yeah I I can't really recall the entire article. But really make sure to to yeah read this article. I will put it in the show notes. But also make sure to read, if you do a safe deposit box, read the, the contract that you will be signing. Yeah. I think I, that's very important. That, that article at the bank was really something, I mean, that that's almost unheard of. And uh, yeah, it's a cautionary tale, but I would say that, you know, there's risk in everything you do in life. And when you own material things, I mean, th- this is what you, this is what you deal with the theoretical that, that they could be gone. And, um, I still think a bank is, or, or what you're doing is a really good way to go. Um, I think there was another story, I don't know, 10 years ago or something in London at one of these, uh, privately owned places. And this place was quite expensive and I think quite well known for, um, yeah, a lot of unsavory types storing things there. And here again, there was a massive job done that cleaned out some, rather um, notorious criminals uh, boxes and they've still, I don't think ever figured out who did it, but there are a lot of theories. So, uh, but Hey, you and I are, uh, we're just small time hustlers. So uh, probably no one's coming after us. (laughs) Yeah. We don't have anything. Yeah. So Um, good. Okay. Quartz safe deposit boxes. So uh, yeah, I hope she's listening and, um, well, this is the advice yeah. that we can give. You have to do some homework, basically, and make a, a I think, a well balanced decision on, uh, yeah, what you what you need. You can to get do. a dog um, too. That's that's already <clears throat> good. A dog, yeah, and not a dachshund, not a tackle, but uh, like a real dog. Yeah, real dog. Um, quartz. Okay, let's let's move on. Quartz watches. Yeah. Um, 
cool quartz watches. You want to kick it off? Yeah, sure. And and I think, you know, this is a topic I know a lot of people talk about nowadays. It's it's kind of becoming okay to like quartz again. And while we do definitely prefer mechanical watches, there is something really nice and uh, easy about a good quartz watch. And frankly, sometimes there's something nice about how thin they can be. But um, my focus is I've got a, a few tool watches here. So the first one I'm going to talk about uh, is pretty appropriate because we spent a lot of time talking SKX and Seiko 5 Sports. And I shot you a picture of this one the other day, uh, RJ, but I also got recently a Seiko 7548. This one happens to be a Dash 700C, which is a an orange-dialed uh, Seiko diver from 19... This one's from 81, uh, although... The, the line, the 7548 line came out in 78 with a, a black version and kind of a dark blue Pepsi dialed version. And it's a 150 meter diver, although during its production, they did some, did some things with the seals and change it to a 200 meter diver. But this is the first uh, application of the case, uh, case style that, you know, through many different models, be it quartz or automatic ultimately wound up as the SKX series and now the Seiko five sports. And I wanted to own one because it was, um, at least in Seiko terms, it's a pretty legendary watch and it actually has a quartz movement that I believe was shared with the first, uh, golden tuna that came out in 78 and it's based on the 6309 automatic. So it's actually a serviceable jeweled, uh, quartz movement. And, yeah, I got this one in Japan, uh, paid like, geez, something like 270 euros for it. Um, seven, five, four, eights, you can find, you know, let's call it 250 up to thousands because they made a very rare teal colored one. But you know, the reality is we're talking 250 to call it 500, $600 on, or euros based upon condition or sometimes rarity, but it's a really nice watch. Um, it's, it's one that, I think uh, G2 owns as well. Uh, Brian May, the guitarist from Queen, I think famously has worn a 7548 forever, which is interesting. Just to mention two old people. Yeah. <laughs> but, but this is a watch that, I mean, the thing is almost 40 years old and runs perfectly. Somehow they managed to get the chapter ring straight on this one when they couldn't on some of my newer Seikos. But um I think it's a great watch, and if you like the SKX look, if you like vintage Seiko and don't want to run into the problems that Robert John loves to talk about with older Seikos, meaning kind of ridden hard, put away wet, um, this is a really cool option. And it, it's got history. It's got um, kind of some, I hate to call it street cred because who really cares about that, but it's it, it's really a worthwhile thing to track down and they're easy to find very easy to find. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Well, I, I just, um, mentioned my, uh, new Arnie, which is cool. And I think that, that for me, that's, um, that a few things about quartz watches. It's indeed about being thin or the design that they, uh, that they support the design of the watch. Um, uh, the, the very first constellation Manhattan from 82 is such a watch, which is really, really thin and um yeah that's that's partially because it has a quartz movement a chronometer quartz movement uh, by the way um then you have the ones that are really functional like the arnie i'm wearing and you have the speedmaster x33 that i have and that i really like um brightling aerospace the brightling emergency and uh, yeah aerospace and b1 they had i think um but one quartz watch that i really like is um from rolex it's the oyster quartz oh yeah and uh, I had one, I think it was uh, early 2000s, like 2002 or 2003. I bought the 17,013 reference, which is the Oyster Quartz Dayjust in uh, bicolor, like, uh, yellow, gold, and steel. Mm -hmm. And it was really a fun watch. And my stepdad, he loved it so much that he basically bought it off my wrist. Wow. <laughs> and he still has it and wears it. It's not very... Uh, um, 
maintenance friendly. It's quite expensive to to maintain, and the parts are difficult to get. And at some point, they they can't get them anymore. Do much about it uh, uh, anymore. Um, so his one has been in trouble twice um, because he yeah he, he wears a daily basis and he works on his boat and and uh, um, he does some construction work <laughs> with it and um, so yeah that doesn't help. Um, but it's a very cool watch, and the, the cool thing I, I, I like about these oyster quartz movements is they're really loud tick. Oh yeah, and that's because it uses like a mechanical uh, escapement, and that's uh, yeah, that's a, I think a funny thing. It like has, I think like ten or eleven jewels, and um, yeah, it's an in- I think it's an interesting movement. It also looks really cool. Um, the other one that I really like is the well, we, we keep a bit at Seiko this uh, this episode. It's the Grand Seiko with the the nine F movement, the quartz movement, and um, that one that movement is really stunning. And I wrote it in some some reviews that we did, or that I did on on a Grand Seiko quartz. Is I actually prefer to have a Grand Seiko with the nine F quartz movement than some of the unfinished mechanical movements out there. Yeah. It just looks so incredibly nice. I agree. Beautiful. Uh, it's beautiful, and and especially the models that Grand Seiko is is is. I thought it was quite daring, to be honest, to to put a sapphire case back on a quartz watch. <laughs> but for me, that makes sense. If I want to buy a, a Grand Seiko with nine F quartz movement, I want to have a sapphire case back. I want to see that movement. I think that adds part of the fun, because a, a ticking second hand uh, per second, yeah, it could be any type of quartz movement but then if you turn the watch around you will see ah this is nice yeah, yeah. it looks so damn nice it's it's unbelievable and uh, i think that grand seiko should put a sapphire case back on all of their quartz watches. Uh, 9f powered movements yeah it's it's just stunning yeah. and they did so in a limited edition a few years ago and later on they did it again not sure if that was limited but for instance they and we re- reviewed one it was um yeah i remember a grand that seiko gmt yeah. quartz powered and it has a solid case back. And one of my remarks was actually, I really like this watch, but they should have put a sapphire case back on. You never because stay. Because that really adds part of the fun. No, that's something you, you hardly would say. But in this case, um, yeah, those quartz movements are super, super cool. And I don't really care for the cheap quartz quartz movements. But I think that people, a lot of people mix up. They think that the quartz movement is a quartz movement, which is not the case. There's really difference in, in, in quality out there. And... Um, Seiko, for example, they grow their own quartz crystals, and um, they—it's like diamonds. You have kind of um, um, not noise, but uh, how do you say yeah, imperfections, of, um, basically imperfection. Yeah, yeah, imperfections in in a quartz crystal, and the really perfect ones they use for Grand Seiko, and the, the ones that show a, a few imperfections they use it for the other uh, quartz movements, which is kind of nice, I think. Um, but yeah, I, I don't dislike quartz movements, and especially if it's either functional, like the Arnie or the X33 or Z33 or Aerospace, um, or really super cool mate movements like the, the discontinued Oyster Quartz uh, from Rolex or the, the, the current the 9F movement from Grand Seiko. And of course, Citizen also makes this, uh, this, this, this quartz movement, the Caliber 100 mm. that they introduced this year. Super, yeah. The price is quite quite high. I have to yeah, say. That's, that's I think true. they started like seven k, and the, the, the white gold one was like fourteen k or something, or fifteen k. I don't know. Um, super thin, super interesting, and they they also show the movement. But I, there, I feel that the price is a bit disconnected to the whole uh, perception of quartz. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it was a stunning. Uh, well, it's a good stunt, basically, sure. and it was and limited anyway. You got to figure so, that'll end yeah. up in something. Much less expensive as time goes on, I yeah. guess, right? So, yeah, it's a bit conceptual, perhaps now, and I think they will they will uh, move it yeah, on, implement it in, in in other watches as well. So, so yeah, there are definitely cool quartz watches out there, and perhaps we should do like a article once on the coolest quartz watches or something. So, I, I, uh, I yeah, I'll mention one more. Oh, and by the way, so my my uncle had one of these oyster quartz. Uh, he had a day date actually. So, ah, nice. The uh, old Omega. Um, Seamaster, the all gold one that you've seen that I have, that was his watch, and he replaced it with an Oyster Quartz Day Date. And my father endlessly uh, picked on him for buying a quartz Rolex. <laughs> so, 
that was that was that's all I remember about the oyster quartz. It was a cool watch, but yeah, yeah it was. He, he kind of like compared it to a slant nose nine eleven. So yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah. So so the other one I'll I'll pick, and and I'm going to do an article on this pretty soon. And and this is a watch that you kind of, as I'll say in the article, you you audibly gasped when I mentioned it over WhatsApp. I could hear you cringe, but. I, I ordered this watch and I have to say, this is a cool watch. I mean, th- this is actually a watch that I think I'm going to order one for my dad because it totally fits his lifestyle. And, um, this is the citizen tough pro master B N O one, one eight, which, um, if you're a real Seiko geek or Seiko citizen geek, then you'll know it as the, uh, well, it's the latest iteration of what's called the Ray Mears, who is kind of like one of these, um, yeah, these Bear Grylls, uh, Bushmaster type guys. And, and by the way, this Ray Mears guy now, I think, is so successful that he wears nothing but Rolex. But in, in the beginning, he wore these Citizens, which were, they, they kind of look like a field watch. They're made of titanium. The mm-hmm. the newest version is, is 300 meters um depth uh, or water resistant screw down crown monoblock case and yeah sapphire crystal and, and they have these super large numerals right? yeah super large numerals i mean there's nothing dead sexy about the watch but it's incredibly somehow it's like really well put together and it's 40 millimeters with pretty short lugs and they have them on a titanium bracelet, but I bought the one with a Kevlar strap, which I can tell you is nothing beautiful, but this thing looks like it would never die. I mean, the, the, the little holes on the strap are riveted and even a little clasp is I think titanium, but it's a cool watch. It's got the, uh, eco drive. So yeah, solar powered as well. So this thing is like, mm-hmm. you can put it through a wall and and the best way I could describe it is that you know, everybody says a G-Shock is the watch that kind of goes through everything. And while I'm sure that is tougher than this, um, this would kind of be the analog version or at, I think I paid like 250 euros for it. It would be the cheaper version of choosing like the, um, Victorinox Inox and, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. and, And it's smaller because that's a, that's a pretty big watch. So I'll do a review on this because I think it'll it'll play well. Um, but the wild thing about this is that while earlier versions were available in Japan and I would guess other places, and Japan even had some different sizes, the only place this watch is available is in the UK. So you even go to Citizen UK and it's on there with this like navy blue version I have with a navy strap and the black one with a uh, black titanium bracelet. Um, and then I found it on this, uh, on this shop, uh, we'll put a link on, I think it's just watchshop.co.uk, which was really good to work with by the way, but they will only ship to the European union and the UK. So if you like one, you'd better order one before October 31st or well, maybe 20, 2025, whatever, whenever they decide to do their thing. But it's a, it's, you know, this is like, you know, one thing you and I remark about all the time, I mean, the Japanese watch companies are incredibly difficult to figure out their marketing strategies and their websites are not often updated. So it's yeah. hard to figure these things out, but yeah, this, this watch only seems to be available in the UK. So it's pretty cool. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So good. Okay. Yeah. Let's put a link up to the, to the, to the shop in the, in the UK, in the, in the show notes. Yeah. yeah. It would be interesting. So Good. Well, there's a nice lineup of quartz watches. Yeah. And, um, oh, oh, we should not forget uh, G-Shocks, but I think those, those, um, those belong to the, to the, like the functional watches, like the X33 and the aerospace and so on. Yeah. I think they make, make pretty cool stuff. They also make the, the metal versions. I think a few years ago they had a, a really, well, relatively expensive version, um, which was hand to hand finished uh, and so oh, on. Yeah. But of course you can get a G-Shock for, uh, yeah, for, for a few hundred, that is already quite interesting. But uh, yeah, I think quartz watches can be really interesting. And I don't care for like fashion watches, but I, th- I think uh, it's the same for uh, a lot of our uh, listeners. It has sure. to be interesting. I yeah, think. an engineered quartz watch, I think, is yeah really worthwhile. It has yeah. its place. Yeah, right? yeah. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, sounds good. 
Good. Perfect. So I think that's that's a wrap. Oh, I will put in a shameless plug. So I've um, started kind of a new series on our site where I think we've done now a few episodes of uh, what is called Risk Game or Crying Shame. And every Wednesday we're doing an article where we feature a watch and basically um, it, it's a fun article. I, I will tell you this. We're not advocating the watch. We're just really leaving it up to you guys to vote whether or not you think it's a, it's a good watch, therefore risk game or not so good crying shame. And uh, we're going to, there's a little poll at the end of the article yeah. where you vote and you can see what, uh, what other people voted and what, what, yeah, what got most votes. It's a, it's a it's a nice it's a nice recurring topic, and so far we had a Speedmaster, we had a Abel a Chronograph with El Primero movement in 1911, yeah. and we had a Rolex Sub uh, 16803. Yeah, the Bluesy, and we'll yep. have another we'll have another article this week, and yeah, feel free to comment. Um, again, we want to have some fun with this one and just uh, a bit more of a community based article. So. Please vote and let us know what you think. And aside from that, we'll wrap it up this week. And as always, if you have questions, please do not hesitate to reach out uh, via info at fratellowatches.com. Um, you can follow both of us on Instagram. We've got Robert Chown on RJ Brewer and me, Mike, uh, Mike in Frankfurt. So hope everyone has a great uh, week and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.